So we'll have to go into our message today. How's that? So we started a, we started a series last week called "I'm a Christian in Name Only," and we talked about how when we become believers, we are supposed to become new. We're supposed to become new people. God transforms us and changes us into new people. You know, some of us, it's been a very, very long time since we've been saved, and maybe we don't even remember what we were like. I was four. I really don't remember what it was like before I accepted Christ in my life. But I can tell you that I know what God has brought me through, and all of those things that God has brought me through, if I had turned another direction or just made one bad decision or whatever it was, I would have gone down a path that I would be dead by now. I can think of at least three of them in my, just off the top of my head. But because God had been a part of my life and I had committed to him, I didn't ever make that decision. I kind of went, no, that was stupid. I don't want to do that. And I walked away and I lost friends. So I was like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm able to look back at my life and I'm like, all right, well, that wasn't a bad part of my life. I mean, it was hard, but it wasn't bad. And I guess I made good choices. And that's a testimony to all of those kids that are brought up in the church. You know, a lot of times I used to get very envious and jealous of people because they had these amazing turnaround stories of how God saved them from the gutter. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, I've never even been in the gutter. I, it's like, I don't, I don't comprehend the gutter. So, and, and then my parents go, well, that's good, isn't it? That's exactly what we were trying to do, just keep you out of that. I mean, that's what the Bible says about raising your kids. Raise up your kids in the way that they should go, and they won't veer off in the wrong direction. And the thing is, I was envious of these great, amazing testimonies of what God has done. And what God showed me is that it wasn't just about that conversion experience it was about your continued relationship. Is he making you new every day? Is he transforming you every single day? Are you becoming a new creation every single day? I mean, if I still had the same faith that I had when I was four years old, I would still be, I wouldn't make a very good pastor. <laughs> so just look at my four-year-old. You can tell. And he's, He's asked Jesus in his heart, so I mean, we believe that that's salvation, right? He does, he acts on his salvation, so I'm going, okay, well, I'm not his judge, but I'm seeing fruit. So, anyway, that's, that's what I wanted to get across last week is, is simply that. Be new every day. Allow God to change you every single day. But today, I'm going to talk to us about knowing God. See, um, I want to tell you a story. I know I just started off with a story, but I'm going to start off with another story because now I'm actually on my notes, and all that other part was completely just a bunny trail. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a long one. You start on a bunny trail. 18 years ago, 18 years ago, I met a very beautiful woman. Uh, her name was Leah. I met her at college. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend who, who, I had a friend who had a friend who had a friend who was a triplet. And um, that triplet was my, was Leah's roommate. And one day, they all showed up at my dorm room at Evangelion University, and they wanted to play cards. And uh, if you don't know this about Leah, and don't tell her I told you, that she's very competitive. 
Um, some of you guys know that because we've played games with you guys, and you've seen it. She tries to hold it back, but um, God has redeemed her in many ways in that area. But anyway, she was just destroying me at cards. We were playing uh, Speed. It's this game where you try to get rid of your cards as fast as possible. And she was flirting with me. I was flirting with her. And anyway, you guys know how young love is and all this stuff. Anyway, over the years, I've gotten to know her. And you know what actually grabbed my attention with her? Is after that night, I was like, man, she beat me. And it wasn't like even like a second thought. I was like, okay, cool. It was kind of fun. I had a good night. But you know what actually nabbed me? And you can, you can ask her about this. this. is true. She called me that night, and she apologized for bragging. For ragging on me because she'd beat me so bad. And I said, okay, this is an interesting girl. And I tell you what, after 18 years, not all of them married, but, you know, I was deployed, a co- I was deployed for a while. <laughs> um, I got to know her. I can pick out her voice in a crowd. Her voice doesn't carry very much. If you ever get to know her, she kind of has this, if you know her, she has this voice that doesn't really carry very far. But I've learned to be able to hear it. I've also learned how to tone it out. But I've learned how to hear it. I didn't say that. It's a terrible thing to say. Oh, this is recorded. (laughs) But see, the thing is, is I know what her looks mean when she looks at me a certain way and when she looks at me another certain way. I know what those mean. I've gotten to know her. I mean, she doesn't even have to say anything, and I know what she means. I have an old friend. His name is Tim. And Tim was my next-door neighbor for several years when I was growing up. And we were best friends. He was homeschooled. I wasn't. So, But every single day after school, I was home. All summer, I was home, and we were playing. We, we built a baseball field together. I mean, this, is, this was a big – this was our friendship. We did this. And, uh, you know, we were both military brats, so we all had that going for us. We were inseparable for years, and we would fight like friends, you know, like if you have a best friend and then you fight with them, yeah, it was like that. So we had real, like, teenage, pre-teenage drama going on between us, but we were really, really good friends. And what was interesting is that because I was in the military, because my dad was in the military, we moved. And when we moved, I lost touch with him uh, because I didn't have this thing called email or cell phones or texting that's the wonderful thing about being a part of the, what, what, what's our generation? We're like that middle generation that, that lived without that stuff, and but now we know how, have it. We know how to use it. Um, it's like exennial or whatever they want to call us. Um, but here's the deal. If I connected up with him now, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know what we would do. I'm I'm friends with him on Facebook now, and so I'm able to kind of track what he does. He's into things I'm not into. Not that he's not a believer. He is a believer. He's a Christian, but he's just, you know, he's one of those guys that's like bearded men are closer to Jesus. And as you can tell, I'm apparently not very close to Jesus. Um, so I'm glad your beard's coming back because getting closer every day, right, Dave? So... But here's the thing is that I don't, I don't know that I would be able to get, know him very well. See, the thing is, is I, I knew him then, but I don't know him now. Then again, there's a third kind of person. There's the people that I don't know now that I will know in the future. 
and people I'll know really well in the future. You can think of all, I'm, I'm sure all of you have these folks in your mind of, 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 of who those people would be. You know, what's wonderful about technology is it's, it's been able to help us keep up with some of these folks. But the reality is, is that if they move away, a lot of times because we don't spend time with them and we're not around them, our lives are not affected by theirs in the same way. And because of that, their lives tend to change and our lives tend to change. And a lot of times they go in opposite directions. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they've given up on Jesus or anything. It's that, you know, I just don't know that we would hang out anymore because we don't have the same interests. And when I was a children's pastor in my old church, kids used to call me Pastor Scott. And then when I stepped down from the position and I wasn't their children's pastor every single week, guess what? They still called me Pastor Scott. I wasn't in ministry. I wasn't doing anything like that. I mean, I was working at a university. They still call me Pastor Scott. Why? Because that's how, they, that's how they knew me. Our relationship was built on the point where they called me Pastor Scott because that was our relationship. I'd earned that title. My pastor, my former pastor, instilled an important lesson in me. You are not someone's pastor until they make you that. That's true. You're not someone's pastor until they make you that. You're not someone's mentor until they make you that. You're not someone's friend until they make you that. It's all about relationship. It's not about the title. We used to have a saying in the army, respect the rank, but you don't have to respect the person. But you have to respect the rank. There was a lot of folks in the army I did not respect because I didn't like him as a person. But I did everything they told me to do because I respected their rank. So for instance, we call people by different names, right? Usually it has something to do with our relationship. So like, for instance, if you're married, you're going to probably call your spouse by their first name, right? Or a pet name. <laughs> or ball and chain. Just depending on your relationship. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, but there's four people in the building right now who if they came up to me, I would half expect them to just try to sit on my lap, and then they'd probably want me to tickle them because that's just how we roll in our family. Is that we play around, and that's, we have fun like that. But I'm telling you right now, if any of you guys came up here and tried to sit on my lap and asked me to tickle you, I would probably be a little weirded out. Right? Because that's not our relationship. <laughs> we won't get there, folks. <laughs> I love all of you, but <laughs> my lap is reserved. <laughs> Did you know that 94% of Americans believe in a God? They believe in a God. They may not believe in Jesus, but they believe in a God. But there's a big difference between believing and knowing God. James chapter 2, verse 19 says this, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. You see, knowing God and believing God are very different things. In the fall of 2001, my, my life completely changed. Not because, in, not, not because of 9-11, because that, that did change a lot. But because I met Leah in the fall of 2011. Sorry, 20, 2001, not 2011. 2001. And see, the thing is, is because I met her and I got interested in her, I wanted to pursue her. 
I wanted to know her. I wanted to be around her. I wanted to spend every single waking moment with her. I sought her out. Do we do that with God? Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and your soul, you will find him. Jeremiah 29.13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will, be, and you will find. Not, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Acts seventeen twenty seven says this, His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from us, from any one of us. In another story of Christ's ministry, he goes to a well, and he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman, someone he shouldn't have anything to do with, but he does. And what is she doing? She's drawing up water from the well. So she's pulling up this water, and she's going in the middle of the day, which no one ever went in the middle of the day, but because of who she was, she didn't want to be around the well because the well is kind of like the gossip center. It's where all the gossip happens. We don't have anything like that around here, I promise. Um, you, you didn't go there when all the gossipers were there because she didn't want to get talked bad about. So she would show up later and Jesus goes, hey, um, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink of water? Okay, sure. And he says, you know, I have water that will take away all your thirst. You'll never be thirsty again. I love, I love that. God says that we should be thirsty for him. See, a lot of times we think that we should be hungry for God, right? God, I'm hungry for you. But here's the thing. You can go several days without, without food. I mean, like 40 plus. You can't go very long without water. If you haven't been pursuing God during your week, you're liable to get thirsty. You can come to church and you can gorge yourself and say, well, that's good enough for the week. Maybe you're like, well, that'll fill me up. It's not good enough. What did Jesus say? He says, water. You can't go three days without water. I, I would argue you can't go even less time than that without water. Imagine what you're body would be like if you're like, I'm just going to not drink water today. Do you think you won't see effects the first day? You will. You will, won't you? I'm asking, my, I'm asking the medical professional here. Within one day, you're going to feel effects. Headaches, dry mouth, nausea. That's just the first day. By third day, you're lucky if you're still alive. Your soul absolutely needs food. But your soul needs water. You got to water it. You got to take care of it. Every single day. Two, three, four times a day. Drink water, say a prayer. Real easy. <laughs> Drink water, read a Bible. <laughs> Was it the, the term I use all the time? Bible before breakfast. 
Feed your soul before you feed your face. It's not healthy to live a life unless you're pursuing God on a regular basis. We can know God intimately. Psalm 63, 1-4 talks about David's relationship with God. And it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. There it is again. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. This world isn't going to give you God. The land doesn't have it. Our work doesn't have it. Only his presence has it. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. An intimate relationship with anyone is going to have a profound effect on your life. You know how I was talking about if your friends moved away, they could still be your friends, especially in today's day and age. You can keep up with them, but you're not going to be as close as you were. They may not have a daily effect on your life. Maybe you start dressing differently differently than they do. Maybe they become like the bearded men are the closest to God, and and then you're not, and you're kind of like, well, I'm still close to God. (laughs) I still believe he's saved. (laughs) But here's the thing. Is God affecting you? Are you having an, are you being affected by him regularly? That's part of intimacy. That's part of getting to know him. Would we rather die than lose his love and live? Do we love him so much that we can't hold it back? These are the questions that define an intimate relationship. So where does God fit into your life? What do you call him? See, what we call God shows us a bit of a glimmer of how we see God how well we know him. For, for example, uh, several years ago, I was known by a couple different names. Sergeant Beerman. Sergeant Beerman. Any of those combinations. My first name never came up. It just wasn't a thing. Anyone in uniform that actually used my first name, it was weird. And there were several years in my life where if anyone called me by my first name, you had to be in my family or my close friend. Because it was just strange otherwise. I love that music. That's awesome. But see, even my peers called me Sergeant Beerman. Because that was our relationship. But when we go to a restaurant, and I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but uh, we're always known as the Scott Party of Six. Because if you try to explain to a young lady behind a counter how to say the name Beerman, it usually comes out weird. And sometimes we miss it. (laughs) If I get a phone call and the person on the other line says, hello, Mr. B. Ironman or Byerman or whatever it is, I know we don't have a close relationship. Now, I've done it before. I'm like, hey, it's you. You ever have fun with those guys? That's why they've started doing the robocalls so they don't have that opportunity anymore. (laughs) It's probably someone that you don't know very well if they don't know how to pronounce your name. Maybe you guys don't have that problem. I mean, white is hard to mess up. 
But it's happened. I'm sure her has gotten butchered a couple times. Yeah? It happens. When I walk around in the community, you know what people call me? Hey, it's Pastor Beerman. That's how I know they don't know me very well. Because <laughs> nobody who knows me very well, no one in this room calls me Pastor Beerman. Everyone calls me Pastor Scott or Scott or, or my favorite one. Oh, you're the pastor from the AG Church. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but most everyone in here calls me Pastor Scott. And see, the thing is, is nobody in this room calls me my pet names. That's reserved for one person downstairs. And only a select few get to call me daddy, and depending on their mood, dad or father. Yeah. Well, what do you call God? Maybe you're struggling with something difficult financial times, and he's your provider. Maybe you've had a difficult time with your own father, and so he's your heavenly father. Maybe you're just happy he saved you, and he's your savior. Maybe he's your rock or your fortress, your redeemer or your friend. What we call him tells us tells a bit of how of how close we are to him. Maybe he's baby Jesus to you, or the big guy in the sky, or the man upstairs. You heard those before? If you don't know God very well, let me be very clear about this. A lot of times, you're very very specific about what you call him. For instance, I walk around and I'm the pastor from the AG Church or the Assembly of God Church. But I do a lot more than that. (laughs) It does take up a lot of my time. But, you know, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'll tell you what. I've had many a conversation with people where they're just open and free about everything in their lives and just saying interesting words. And then the moment I meant they, the moment they asked, so what do you do for a living? And I go, I'm a pastor, and they, everything changes. Look, I'm the same guy I was five seconds ago. But the relationship changes. If we know someone intimately, our life is transformed by them. Our actions change, our attitudes changes, our language changes. The word yeet gets used. Oh, man, I just used it. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> our heart changes. Do we seek him regularly? Do we need him more than we need water? The Bible makes us clear that if we seek him, we're going to find him. So it's not like he's hiding from us. I think sometimes we think God is hiding from us. Don't you get it? He's the seeker. We're the hider. In the, in, in the spiritual game of hide and seek, he's not the one hiding. You are. Think about the Garden of Eden. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God would walk around in the garden. He had to bump into Adam and Eve sometime. I mean, who knows how long they were in the garden before the, the, the fruit was eaten. They could have hung out, sat down, talked about life, been around God. But then they screwed up and something happened in the relationship. 
And what did they try to do? They tried to hide. Who told you you sinned? Who told you you were naked? You've always been naked. But who told you? Your friends, if they know you, they know things about you. They know you've been through stuff. Don't hide from them. Have them help you. That's what they're there for. Oh, you won't love me anymore because I did this horrible, horrible thing to you. Well, if they're your true friend, they'll forgive you. Eventually. Sometimes that takes time. <laughs> but, you know, we're in the business of forgiveness. The whole reason why Christ had to come and sacrifice himself is so that we could have an opportunity to be with God again. That's it. God already knows you intimately. He doesn't need to know anything more about you. He knows everything about you. He's just waiting on you to get to know him. There's no secrets. You could be intimate with God today. So do you really know God? That's my challenge to you. This week, ask yourself, do I really know God? And figure out more about him. If you got questions, ask him. Or ask someone you trust. And say, hey, I got this question about God. Maybe they know him in that way that you don't know him. They can help guide you that way. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. In a world that you created where we had an opportunity to get to know you, you sacrificed yourself so that we could get to know you again because we fell. Because we messed up. It's nothing you did. You didn't break our, you didn't break our heart. We broke yours. And it's nothing that took you by surprise. You knew it was going to happen. And you loved us despite all of that. And Lord God, I pray that everyone in this room would understand and get it in their heart and know that no matter what they've done, you still love them. And God, in our minds, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But Lord God, I pray that we would get to know you so that we could understand you more, understand who you are and what you mean. Be with us as we go throughout our week this week, God. I pray for opportunities for the folks here that they'll have an opportunity to reach people for you this week. Lord God, help them to bring others to know you as well pray for their week this week, Lord God, that you will touch them, that you will bless them. I pray for um, the rain and the sun all to go the way it should, God. And thank you for all that you do. Because you are our provider. You are our healer. You are our savior. You are our rock. You are our father. You are all of those things. And you are God. In your name. Amen.